You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. Hey guys, welcome to session five. Uh, this one is good, y'all. I know I keep saying this about, <laughs> about every session, but it really is. Angie is like bringing it. We dive into some really important conversations here around like self-identity and like what happens when you kind of can't do the thing you always thought you could do. I feel like this is so supportive of so many of us, no matter what season we're in, whether it's a season similar to Angie or whether, you know, you've just had a big change in your life. Like maybe it's when you became a mother and you just kind of can't show up in the way you used to or whatever that might be. It is so helpful to hear other people going through this. I also think it's really helpful to hear like the ways in which we can kind of normalize it, but also navigate it. So that is going to be here. And then we also have a really important conversation that Angie shares with us that we get to witness her and what it is like to have the experience as a black woman, you know, teaching DEI often to white men in suits and what, you know, that experience has looked like for her. I think it's a really, really important conversation. I think it's so useful to obviously for Angie to process this out, but so much so to bring this to the podcast and for people to be able to hear this experience. So really excited for you guys to dive into this session and excited to hear what y'all think. There we go. How you doing? Hi, I am good. I'm okay. <laughs> Let's say yes. okay. Let's take okay. I went too far there. One step too far. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually quite tired today. I got back from the UK yesterday. So I have been in the UK this week working and I had one of those journeys on the way back that lasted for about 30 hours, oh even though God. it's, you know, just a short hop over the uh, channel. So yeah, I'm feeling kind of, um, I'm feeling good. It's really nice to be home and I am just settling in today. Did a couple of calls today, but then I've just had to take it really easy. My body literally says, Ted Lasso, full stop. <laughs> it's like we have one interest and one interest in only. <laughs> yeah. And it won't do anything else. It's refusing to cooperate. So I'm just going with that. And thanks yeah. to only having a couple of things in the diary or one thing in the diary at any given day, I have got space to do that, which is really good. I think it's so helpful to see too, where it's like, I know it's just like, how you're saying it and we're teasing about it a little bit, but it's almost like your body's not doing anything wrong. Like it just had a really arduous like journey and full on work sprint. And so it's like the most sensical thing that there needs to be some balance there, right? Yeah, totally. It's been quite a challenging week of work working away because I just felt I'm really recognizing that this perimenopause thing is knocking me for six. I just want to speak about that because I think other people who might be women (laughs) who might go through this will kind of recognize or at least be prepared for it because I have not been prepared for it at all. And it's a bit like, it's sort of reminding me of the the thoughts I thought about being a mum before I was a (laughs) mum. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to 
pop him into nursery, go back to school, go back to work. It's all going to be done. No problem at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was like two days before I gave birth thinking, oh, shit. He's going to be here for like 18 years. Oh <laughs> it's like, surprise. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Just, you know, getting on with my life. And also, you know, I've got a friend actually who's self-employed and, and you know, she's been running her business for about a bit longer than me. She's slightly older than me and she's been talking about the vulnerability of feeling so wiped out and being, being self-employed and, and kind of, suddenly thinking, I don't know if I can get through the day, let alone make it through the month, let alone pay the mortgage. And it, it just hadn't, again, I've just thought, oh yeah, but with your Angie Brown energy, you'll just push on through and everything will be fine. And it's not going to happen to you in that way. So it's been quite sobering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite embarrassed to say, it's been quite sobering to talk about this thing called menopause all the time in my work and then suddenly think, oh, this is actually happening to me I actually have physical symptoms that are sometimes debilitating and that my body won't is you know refusing to move or is just really exhausted so I've kind of really I'm really leaning into support so I've you know I found a great hormone doctor and I'm really excited to start work with her and I think it's going to be really helpful but one thing she did last week was just to list all of the symptoms that I had and just kind of normalize them and you know say these are these are perfectly normal things but yeah she also said and you might experience these things as well and I was like not more <laughs> you're like this this list is not off yes this is fine so so I traveled to, to the UK feeling really great and having one of those days I had a couple of days where I felt great and then the next day I think when I got there I just couldn't leave the hotel room I was absolutely floored and then I was like oh my goodness I've got a day and a half to go and I'm meant to be doing a keynote it's been a really wild it sounds really boring because I was lying basically in a hotel room it's just <laughs> not wild in the sense you know the traditional sense of wild but it's been a <laughs> it's been a very you know women in her 40s wild kind of oh now I have to walk really slowly now I have to you know plan the next two hours of making sure that I eat properly and then you know drink loads of water and then don't try and do too much work it's been like it's so at odds with the way that I normally yes. am which is I just push the hell on through I don't think about anything ever yeah I don't eat you know I don't eat for half the day and then have you know drink wine and I can do I could could do all of these things and seemingly that period of my life is on pause at the moment so yeah it's just been a very interesting time <laughs> what i love the conversation around here is how sometimes it's so interesting what we can think about a thing before we experience the thing whether that's like what we think being a business owner will be like or being a mother will be like or being in perimenopause will be like right we always have these kind of like preconceived notions and they're typically quite different than what it ends up being right and what I think the win really is here is giving ourselves permission to adapt. So if you thought business was going to be a certain way and it turns out it's not, do you still have permission to adapt anyway? Or are you like clinging to that vision so hard that you're not letting yourself move forward, you know? Um, same with motherhood, right? I've heard this from so many people and I've certainly already experienced this myself where you're like, when I become a mom, I will always or I will never. And then that goes completely out the window once you're in the experience, right? And I think Angie's just kind of giving us a window into that. Like once I'm in perimenopause, I will never be someone who you know needs rest or has to stop. 
okay, if that's not true, what does it look like to adapt? What does it look like to give myself permission there? That's really the grace and gift we can give ourselves. And then also the normalization that we probably all bring this experience to something of, I thought it was going to be this way and now it's this. And I'm really having to reconcile that in my mind. So also just a lot of normalizing there, but I do think it is really helpful to see that sometimes we can do this to ourselves, get really in the expectations. And again, the win is giving ourselves that permission to adapt. It's so, so curious too, because it's like one of those things where this is probably like the last thing that you want, but it's probably also like the best situation for you in a sense too, because what else would make you slow down besides having to? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I could just get emotional even thinking about it. It is such a self-concept yes. kind of breaker. It's like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe that I can't fill the day. I have a whole day and I can't do anything. I can't motivate myself to, but not only motivate myself to, I just don't feel up to it. And it's it's really hammering my self-concept. So although I do think it's one of those breakthroughs to to kind of managing yes. the next, you know, 20 years of my working life, hopefully, in a way that suits a human being better. Yes. Oh, it's it's really hard. <laughs> it's so hard. I really love that Auntie is so clearly bringing up the conversation of self-identity and how much we cling to it. I think that is especially relevant for a lot of conversations in our space because so many of us are focused on personal development and growth. And when we are, there is this like identity death that sometimes comes with that because we're letting go of other parts of ourselves that you know rightfully may no longer serve us but nonetheless were very important to us right so for angie it's like it's so beautiful and important that she is moving into being someone who can move slower who's not you know only valued for her hard work and it doesn't mean that letting go of that is not still absolutely just completely shattering sometimes to our self-concept and our self-identity, right? It really, really makes us kind of feel unmoored, I think. And so I feel like it's beautiful for us to kind of witness her in this and see the evolution of that and also know that it might be really normal for all of us to experience that in different ways too. I remember like when I went through my divorce, right? Like I just had so strongly identified with like being someone who was married. And so not having that self-identity anymore, not having that ring, not having that self-concept was really something I had to process at the time of like, oh, okay, who am I now? And obviously I wanted to not be married, but there is still a way in which like you're, you're clinging to that. And there's still such a process of undoing it and what it means to rebuild a new self-concept. So wanting to normalize that here, maybe you're going through that in business or in relationship or in just this evolution from who you were to who you want to be. If you're feeling that kind of unmoredness, if you're feeling that clinging to the old self, completely normal, completely part of the process and still means you're on the right path and you get to keep going, right? So just really helpful to kind of witness Angie and that also give ourselves permission there too. 
it's a bit of a self-trust thing there too, right? Because I'm sure like one of the things you identified with or trusted most about yourself is like your ability to like get shit done, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so not to have that layer is probably very disorienting of like, what can I lean on? It's just bizarre. I mean, it's really strange. And it's like, I would never have a weekend where I don't kind of, you know, I'm in central London and I'm like, right, there's a conference going on downstairs. I need to be networking. I've got all of these people I need to speak to. I need to still get a dress. I probably might pick up some shoes. I'm going to go and grab lunch there. I'm going to meet up with these people. And it was like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything. So it's kind of humbling. Do you feel like there was some, I don't know if I'm going to say this quite right, but do you feel like there was some intentional choice behind it? Like you were like, I really am going to be intentional about like just saying no to these things because I know what I need is to rest. Or do you feel like it truly did not have any of that to it? It was just like, it's an impossibility otherwise. Um, it, I think it's a bit of both. So I think part of me would still like to be in control, much more in control of the process of saying, sure. I'm not going to do any of it. So there's still a big part of me that thinks, oh, I could choose not to do it. But in the background, I still feel good enough to do it if I wanted to. This is pure. I also really can't. So it's, I don't know. I think it just needs, I really do need to pause and think a bit more about the the self-concept and the like the human being that I am becoming yes. because part of me just doesn't want to let go of the, you know, is is kind of attached to, yes, but I'm going to get better. So mm. then I'll be able to do all of those things. So yeah. there's still not quite that shift yes. of what would actually be the next phase of the the worker that I am. And it's interesting because it's the the vision I have of the person I am running the business that I've had since definitely since like 2019 that I was journaling on in early 2019 was somebody who wasn't doing a lot of stuff. So there was, I have a very clear picture of me where I'm sitting, what kind of office I'm in, who I'm with, what my role is. And I was journaling hard on that for about a year and she wasn't doing any of this rushing around and like, dare I say, carrying my own bags through an airport. I mean, who does that? I mean, can you even? Right. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> Swearing into the ethers, I shouldn't have to carry my own bloody bags. I wasn't that person either. So I still think that I haven't truly attached myself to that yes. person because there is a lot of my a lot of my ego a lot of my kind of there's the trust but there's also I've built a lot on that person who just gets shit done and almost is kind of praised for doing all of that stuff as well and yeah I think I've seen that I will be that person until I'm the person that isn't doing that anymore and is you know luxuriating in in this workspace that I'd always imagined and, you know, doing far less actual work. But I hadn't seen that there might be a transition person. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yes. It's so interesting. It reminds me so much of I was like in a phase where I was like really unhappy in my marriage, previous marriage. And I was like journaling and writing to like all the things I wanted in a relationship and that I wanted in a partner and how I wanted that to be. And I was so locked in on that and so certain. And I just thought, well, my partner will change and he will meet yeah. all of these things and that will happen. Yeah. And actually what happened is I went through like a really hard divorce and had to like rebuild and all of that stuff. 
And then I met Kenny and now do have many of the things that I was like so focused on them, but it was such a transition time and it almost Mm -hmm. had to get deconstructed before it could kind of be rebuilt. And I kind of feel like that's exactly what you're saying. Like something had to happen because you, with the self-concept you had, were probably not going to be like, I'll just slow down tomorrow. Why not? Right? The time is now. Let's stop. Right. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't happening. So there's like a deconstruction and like the path to that might be through perimenopause, which feels super frustrating because it doesn't feel of your own doing completely. But it's almost like that's also probably what had to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that the big takeaway here to share is that actually getting what you want is actually typically quite messy, <laughs> which I think is just funny and important to share and say, like, I, I've just seen this, you know, from the behind the scenes perspective with so many clients of myself, with my friends, like we can make it seem so clean and easy. And I think sometimes marketing makes it seem that way too, like really perfect and simple and easy. And typically that is not the case. Going after what we want, making these big sweeping changes in our lives and in our businesses typically comes with mess. Doesn't always look linear and perfect and normal. Sometimes it looks like an absolute breakdown before a build up, right? Sometimes it looks like things falling apart before they fall together. And I think the more we can talk about that, the better, because if not, it feels like everything is going wrong. And it is in some ways, and it can be the start of things going really, really right for you. It can be the start of like, wait, I said I wanted more aligned clients and the clients I have are leaving. Could that mean I'm getting what I want? Wait, I said I wanted this kind of relationship and now my relationship is falling apart. Could this mean I'm getting what I want, right? So many applications here, but just the reminder that if you are in the mess, It does not mean you are not getting what you want. Sometimes the mess is actually what leads you to that. And so it doesn't mean you don't get to feel messy or you don't get to have your feels around that, but it does mean just holding that light at the end of the tunnel from that can be really, really supportive. It's like I could make these commitments when I was younger because I would still, you know, There were other things that I could say, oh, yeah, no. So now is the time. I'm definitely going to start taking the supplements, right? I'm doing it now. It's happening. I know it's better for me, but that I could not take them and still be fine. Yes. Or I know I should drink more water, but, you know, I will do it for a few weeks and then I wouldn't do it. Same with exercise, same with diet, like all of these different things. Same with work. I'll, I'll do less work and then I won't stick to it. And then I'll find myself back where I was and then I'll be like it's okay though because although I'm working 14 hour days I know I can stop soon now it's like it's not having it like my my body's just not having it so it's just saying you know the kind of I don't know what the word is but you know that that sort of living on borrowed time piece has come to an end and it's like you actually have to commit to the thing so you have to commit to doing the thing that the doctor says you have to commit to this you know fucking thousands of pounds worth of supplements you have to commit to the exercise having two things in your calendar only and and that is uh, that's kind of calling me out on my bullshit quite a lot actually do you feel like you're clear on what that identity is. Like in some ways it feels like you are. Like it feels like you're like, she does these things and it's this mm. and I feel myself in that office and it looks like this. Or does it feel like it's almost like, yeah, there's a picture, but it's so foggy. It's hard to 
feel connected to. It feels very different with the things that I feel as I still feel as slowing me down because you know I feel like I'm at odds with her in many ways. Yeah, I can see yeah. her, but she isn't somebody who has been slowed down by something. And also, I feel like I'm going to be really honest. I basically feel like it's really weak. I'm like, what kind of person yeah. can't do these things? What kind of person can't? go to Canary Wharf and go bloody shopping and you know without stopping every 10 seconds to go I've just got to breathe for a minute <laughs> I mean it was it's like ludicrous and I I feel kind of disgusted with myself for being the kind of person that has to go so slow with everything so I'm not I can't say that I'm reconciled totally. <laughs> with, the, with the vision because I've always been a person that has been really understanding of other people who were going through those things or who were not built in the same way but now I think it's a kind of mm, yeah but couldn't you really just do a bit more it feels like that's really been the underlying thing that I've felt like it's a choice to either be strong or, or not and so now I'm experiencing it I feel like I'm now judging myself with that kind of you know if you just put a bit more effort in you probably could do it so yeah <laughs> I think that's a no. Something that I hear in that that's so interesting, and I don't know if this is actually like supportive or not, if it's like supporting the wrong <laughs> thought, but we'll say it. Something in that that I really hear is that I actually do hear you making a choice. Like I do hear you being able to like go to the shops and just be out of breath every five minutes and mm. like push through it. Or I do hear you being able to like still make yourself sit at your desk if you really wanted to, but you actually are making a choice to be like, I know what my body is telling me. And I know that like, I wouldn't be doing 10 out of 10 quality work here, but I could sit my butt here and do yeah. two out of 10 quality work and force yeah. it. So I feel like there's this way where like as much as you're kind of being forced into it, you're also surrendering to it. And maybe that's really something to like lean into and give yourself credit for. It doesn't mean that your brain's not kicking and screaming a little bit, but you actually are doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And, I, and I'm able to, there's a funny thing going on because I, I still had to do the keynote and I, I was feeling rough as hell, you know, like, I can't even believe I have to get dressed now. I can't. And then I kind of had a shower. And as soon as I was out of the shower and I was getting dressed, I was like, okay, I'm now in yeah. in keynote mode. And I went down into the conference and I networked and I did all of the things. So I can turn something on that's still that, yes. you know, let's use the bit of adrenaline or whatever it is to, to kind of get through it. But as soon as it was done, <laughs> back to the slow lady walking um, <laughs> and yeah. just feeling really really tired and you know and I've, obviously I've got clients this week and I'm sitting down at my you know opening that zoom call and being full of energy and delivering and so as soon as that call ends I just feel the complete yeah having to just relinquish the facade which is just different to what I've had before so yeah I do think that I'm I'm still choosing and I am I'm not continuing on and I know that there is something through this that will lead to something that's going to be really good for me. I don't actually feel like that. I'm not equivocating over that. I do yes. think, yes, this is a pathway yeah. to something, but it's just hard. It's just really, really hard. Yeah. I wonder if the practice is like praising yourself for the choices where it's almost mm -hmm. like what's happening right now is you're like, oh my God. 
come on, Angie. Like, how could you want to watch Ted Lasso right now kind of thing versus like, I'm so proud of myself starting to be the woman who listens to her body enough to go do that. Like, I'm so proud of myself that I'm starting to be the woman who kind of thing. Yeah. Rests, takes it slow, says no to the thing that doesn't feel good to her, whatever. It's almost like you're – you're forming a new pathway where your like identity becomes more about like being so proud of yourself for being someone who chooses like that ease or that rest versus mm. who chooses to like double down on work. Mm. Yeah. To me, there is just nothing more important in circumstances like this than giving ourselves compassion, right? Like when we can come back to compassion for ourselves, it is amazing how we can move forward from there. When we become our own enemy, it is amazing how easy it is to get stuck, right? It's just always the case. I have never seen someone make massive transformation from being completely without compassion for themselves, right? Like the the transformation is actually facilitated by that. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't notice there's something we want to shift, but it does mean like it's done so with a lot of compassion. And so that's why I really like this statement here of, I'm so proud of myself for being the woman who, right? What can you use that in? Like if we could gift you that statement from this podcast, how could you use that, right? I'm so proud of myself for being the woman who slows down. I'm so proud of myself for being the woman who rests. I'm so proud of myself for being the woman who asks for help. I'm so proud of myself for being the woman who says no, right? And even though you may still be a little bit judgmental about that woman who says yes, when you can just find that compassion. I'm so proud of myself that I didn't do that thing, even though I wanted to push through it. You really start to build that new identity. You start to create that shift. You start to create that transformation because there is permission and compassion while it occurs. So whatever you might need that phrase for, whatever you might need to apply it to, that is for you this week. I am so proud of myself for being the woman who. And actually talking about the the vision that I have of the future self I realize I haven't refreshed that for mm. a couple of years probably so it's still a kind of surface picture it doesn't have much of the how does she feel like what does she do what do the days look like what does she do when she's tired like right that yeah. would be so helpful to be like what does she do when she's kind of tired or what does she do when she's just traveled for a week or whatever right yeah yeah. I love that. That would be such a good exercise. And and so many of the things that I do now used to energize me or excite me like, oh yeah, I'm going to go shopping in Canary Wharf this weekend and I'm going to be up with some friends. And now it just doesn't, those things don't energize me in the same way. So there's also like, regardless of the perimenopause, I think there's also just, <laughs> yes. those things just don't do the same thing anymore. And other things do. And I think what I'm doing is saying, oh no, none of these things are there. And kind of forgetting the things that are there that do still give me quite a lot of joy. Yes, it's almost like you're redefining what it means to like nourish yourself, right? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Like with the future vision, like how does she nourish herself would be like really beautiful to look at, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. But, you know, we talked about this too before, but like you're – your dominant narrative has kind of been being like the hardest worker. (laughs) Mm. 
the one who will yes. do the things or like, like you were saying too, even coming from like the long line of strong, hardworking black women where that was like yeah. the thing. So I feel like, yes, all of this matters. And I feel like there's like a reconciliation of like, yeah, what does that mean too, right? Like who does that mean to like your lineage or how you mm. relate to that? Because I feel mm. like that's probably like, there's like this individual concept you're processing, but then there's like a much broader concept you're processing in that too. Yeah. And and the broader piece is just so interesting because I'm feeling so, I've been feeling so tired this weekend. And I'm, re- I'm really able to look at myself and the things I would normally do. And a couple of things happened. I think I can't even remember the first one. I, mean, I, I can't remember where I was, but I'd ended up getting loads of shopping or something. I was on the phone to my sister and, um, <laughs> And I was like, right, okay, so I'm just going to walk back now. And she was like, what are you doing? Why aren't you calling a taxi? I don't understand. So there's just a default yeah. of kind of, oh, yeah, you know, I've now I've ended up at the supermarket with 85,000 bags because I'd taken a hire car back or something. And my default is to, of course, walk back, even though I can barely walk up a flight of stairs at the moment. Yeah. So I got in the taxi and thought, because it's got, obviously it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just a sort of, that's what I do, right? And it happened again when I was traveling because I ended up, I booked the flights myself and and I've booked flights that mean that I'm connecting through Amsterdam. So I have to take two flights. And I was like, why have I not just booked a direct flight? What, what yes. has happened here where I've ended up traveling for six hours nearly and like walking around an airport lounge and like dragging my bags around and all this stuff that doesn't need to happen. And there is something where I just think there's an unconsciousness about my needs, about, yes. my, about looking after myself that, you know, when I flew back, I ended up in Amsterdam and then the plane was delayed and then the plane got in really late and then the t- trains were delayed and then the metro was cancelled. So I got to my hotel <laughs> oh at 1.30 in the morning. I'm like, why would a person plan this way? <laughs> it's just, it's like a lack of care. That is, yeah, something ancient and not necessary Mm -hmm. anymore. So so that's definitely been something to see. It's like you're inconvenienced by your own needs almost. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like it's so inconvenient that I'm like a human (laughs) and tired sometimes (laughs) and need food occasionally or need to be watered, you know, like (laughs) – it's exactly that yeah yeah and so while I was on this um pilgrimage of self-discovery <laughs> with all your bags and yeah with all my bags with like my millions of bags my partner said to me I've got something happening and sort of family stuff and he was like he must have framed it about four different times so you could ask somebody to come with you to help you with this thing if you wanted to, couldn't you? You could think about somebody that you might want to come and help you, to be there with you, to support you. He must have said it like four or five times. And I, could I get the words out? I would like you to come and support me. Because all I could think of was, yeah, but you've got work that day. And what about the kids? And everyone's got to get to school. And, and I can think of all of these different things that are about the convenience of other people. And it's so challenging for me to imagine that if I just ask for something that other people will also put themselves out for me. So there is a, it's a bit, it's been a very interesting weekend. 
That one is so good too, because that one is almost like, I mean, in some ways, like the, the critical like linchpin of you being able to build a team Mm. even is like, can you ask them to do things that you don't want to do? Can you ask them for things that, you know, are an inconvenience sometimes or like what, right? That piece of like, can I vocalize that I need help is going to be like everything for your next evolution in business, right? Yeah. Oh, I just loved this conversation on how sometimes like the inconvenience of our own needs is so palpable, right? I think again, especially a high performers, high achiever, like our needs are so inconvenient. Like they're in the way I like need to get shit done. And I have this like need for rest or whatever, right? Like that is the crazy thing that our brains do to us. And I think that you know, we're so quick to write off our own needs without seeing how crucial that is to our actual growth. It it kind of takes me back to that conversation I had in the solo episode where we were talking about like, you are your biggest asset in business. Are you treating yourself like that? Well, when the biggest asset has really inconvenient needs, it can feel like such a problem. But the way to actually treat yourself like the biggest asset is to decide your needs aren't inconvenient, but actually crucial, right? And I think that is so true. They're not only crucial for you know treating yourself as the biggest asset in your business, but they're crucial for team building and leadership, right? Because in that, you must express your needs. You must express your desires. You must help rally people around you to help you meet those needs and desires. And so if you are so uncomfortable with them that you can't kind of like name them or if you are so inconvenienced by them that you don't want to like bring them up, it's going to be very hard to build a team that truly feels supportive of you in that. So this is just the reminder, like, yes, we can all do this to ourselves. I think it is such a thing that high cheating women do and your needs matter. Easier said than done, I know, but it is also for your business. It is also because you're the biggest asset. It is also crucial for team building and leadership. So if you need that reason, let that be the reason too, right? Like this serves all fronts to acknowledge your needs, to actually make them important and to be willing to vocalize them again and again. And so what's quite interesting, nice segue is I haven't managed to get anywhere with the OBM. <laughs> okay. It's just so, of course, because I'm I'm in this sort of holding pattern, I can see it of there's a real push-pull of, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it. I've got it all, you know, I get, I reach out to people, I've got in touch with people. And then as soon as they kind of come towards me or as soon as there's a, okay, we could meet up or we could, you know, maybe hook you up with this person. I found another agency as well. They might have some people. I kind of end up withdrawing into it's okay I'll do I need a bit more time to think about it or I'm not quite sure it's the right role or or all sorts of other excuses have come up in the last few weeks and I think with the exception of coaching with you because I have to because we're doing a podcast now and because it's like you know there's a kind of commitment yes I can almost feel the same thing happening with the health coach I had to really Mm. force myself to reply to her email and send off the prescription thing because I can feel the oh okay I've in, I've made the initial ask for help somebody says that they can help me and then I'm like oh okay do I really need it did I need it I'm not sure if I really need it so I'm just watching the brain 
I think what's so funny there is I would normally say the opposite, right? I like very much abide by like higher, slow, fire, fast kind of mentality, but I think the exact opposite here. Like I think even if you hired someone and it was an absolute shit show, it would be better (laughs) than you not hiring someone. Like I would much rather like us be navigating the the tumultuousness of like, oh, we hired the wrong person than you being like, I didn't hire anyone because that is actually a bigger problem for you in the sense that like, it's, it's just keeping you in that pattern versus like, I will go like mess things up and do whatever I need to do to find the right person, you know? Yeah. So I, I have, I've been witnessing it. And then this week I've kind of pushed on through again. So I'm meeting somebody this, this week and the agencies have sent me some people and I've kind of gone, okay, well, let's see if this could, you know, I'll meet with them. And I've had a million conversations along the lines of if it doesn't work, then something can, you know, we can change it. The agencies basically just said what you said. (laughs) So like we could have a decision by the end of the week kind of thing or like you're talking, you have enough calls booked that you could have a, I'm going to hire you by the end of the week. I could have a decision by the time we meet next week. Done. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And decision means like who you're going to hire, yeah. not to hire. Okay, good. No, <laughs> <Same page>. no. <laughs> just want to clarify. <laughs> I made the decision to hire just exactly. because I haven't hired anyone doesn't mean that I didn't make the decision. And I do that about everything. Like I totally made the decision to drink more water just because I haven't <laughs> yet. <laughs> Decisions just floating there somewhere. Yes. Okay. So hire by next call. I think the other reason that that feels so important is because I truly think that once you have someone in that role, you just seeing how much you're doing that you don't have to be doing, I think is going to give you slightly different perspective. Like I think you know now, but I think when you have to see it, like write it, tell someone what I think you're going to be like, oh, wow. (laughs) You know? Yeah, and I think there's the, just the mental load of all of yes. the things that I know that I'm not doing or getting to as well, which I can really feel disappearing. So yeah, there's been... <laughs> I could write a book about it. Angie Brown asks for help. It'll be called. <laughs> <laughs> That's your next book. I love it. It might need to be a series of books. Absolutely. How she went back and forward asking for help, trying to get help. But yeah, it's a kind of, there's something, not to labor this point, but I think that there's something about being a type A person who does everything and then delegates, which is really different to the way that I feel, because I now feel like I'm asking for help. And that isn't the kind of concept I've had before. Like, I'm in control. I need you to do this. Could you do this? Could you do this? This is like, can you help me? Which is terrifying to a person like me, because I relinquish more than just the thing. I relinquish the sense of a person in the world who does everything and is on top of everything. So I think that's why it's taking me so long. And I also wonder if there is not this way in which you're like, well, there is. Let's just say that. There is this <laughs> way in which I think you're you're just still in that super judgmental place about that. Like even in how you just like language that and talked about that, it's like, you know what like you can just feel the like ick to like be someone who asks for one of those people right and I feel like there is so much power in reworking that as the like ultimate foundation is to see 
the most powerful version of you asks for help, mm. the right? Versus like yeah. what's really happening in your brain is like the weakest version of me asks for help. Yeah. So fine, I yeah, will no, do that, so right? Mm. Yeah. I love that. And our brains are interestingly, and I think helpfully in many ways, but sometimes get us stuck. They're never going to let us become something we hate, right? Like I, I think that's – you know, insert whatever thing, like people mm. who hate rich people find it very hard to become rich. <laughs> yeah. Right? As another example could be people who don't like people who ask for help could find it difficult <laughs> to ask for help. For example. Just, yeah. Just one that came to mind. Yeah. But I think, right, like you almost have to start seeing that as positive for you to let yourself evolve into that. Because if you are like, I, this is a concept that I hate, you will occasionally be able to force yourself just through sheer willpower. But otherwise, it will be very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's so good. That is such a helpful reframe. The most powerful version of me who asks for help. <laughs> I'm obsessed with power. <laughs> Aren't we all? (laughs) So funny. I wish I could remember where I heard this concept, but I I just believe in it so much of the idea that our brains won't let us become something that we hate, right? It's, uh, It's so valuable because we can see so often then why it is very hard to transition into what we want sometimes, right? Like I use the example about like, if you hate rich people, it's kind of hard to become one, right? Like if you think rich people are totally evil, even though you want money, it can be really, really hard to let yourself receive that because ultimately like you don't want to become something you hate and vilify so much. Then similarly, if we like hate and vilify weakness and asking for help, right? (laughs) Like we hate it sometimes, but it is really, really hard to be on the journey to becoming that until we heal our relationship to that, until we don't make that something that we see as so terrible. Because if not, it's going to be really, really hard to let ourselves step into that. So just remember, like this is a chance to kind of like inventory this for yourself. Like what am I both wanting and vilifying at the same time? And how can I create some alignment there? How can I shift my mindset? How can I shift my relationship to that thing? so that there is a clear, cleaner path, so that I can actually feel like I am becoming something that I value and put in a positive light. Because when I do, it is so much easier to move toward it. And when I don't, I'm always gonna be feeling that friction. I'm gonna feel like I'm like driving with the brakes on kind of thing, right? So I really feel like this is just a big one. Take this away, inventory this week, see where this might be showing up for you and see where you have an opportunity to make a shift. At the end of the day, though, that is like we all want to feel powerful in our life. And I think right now that's what you're being stretched on is you're really feeling like a loss of control. And so you almost have to find ways to regain that power and feeling like the powerful you ask for help, the powerful Mm. you slows down. Like it's almost critical because if not, then you're just continuing to lose control in a way that does not feel safe. And that's, yeah. I mean, you're going to hit the brakes every time, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think it then drives other behaviors that aren't helpful. Like, oh, I need to design another program. I need to, you know, start <laughs> yeah. doing, because it's like, how can I claim that position back? Yes. Being, you know, the one that knows what she's doing and is in control. 
Yes. That's such a helpful reframe. I also just wanted to, I wanted to bring something else up today. Um, yes, tell me. So I was speaking at this conference and, and I've just been thinking about how and where to, like, what, what platforms to seek in future, because this was a, I don't know, I need to do the data on how much work I actually get from speaking at conferences. But yeah. so, actually, you know, in my head, I do speak at conferences and then I get work from speaking at them. And there's something about being, again, self-concept and being the person who is there and is, you know, on a stage talking about my thing, which I enjoy. And I have put myself into conferences like the one I did at the weekend where I'm probably, I mean, I'm one of a handful of black people, um, brown people in the room. And they're also, they have been independent international school conferences or independent schools so private schools basically in the in the UK so it's very traditional very kind of white men in suits environments and those used to be environments that I didn't enjoy being in very much but I have been I can see myself also courting a level of credibility through doing it and sort of having people know notice me in those spaces and this weekend after gearing myself up to speak at it it was only a 45 minute slot so I was only talking for half an hour and then 50 minutes QA and the guy before me was meant to be speaking for 20 minutes he was a white man and he clearly didn't like having a 20 minute slot so he decided to speak for nearly 45 oh my god so no for about 40 and so when I got up to speak I was obviously the conference was running late so I did half an hour and then they all started giving me time checks. And so I, I was cut by 15 minutes and I thought, oh, the irony. <laughs> I'm here to talk about DEI and the white man has talked for so long that they end up cutting the black woman. And I was the only person of color like speaking that day. I think I think there might have been a guy speaking earlier, but not about diversity, equity, inclusion. And while I was talking, I was thinking, I was looking at, you know, it's quite a big audience, but there were people, there were guys, men in suits, you know, kind of who are bastions of the whole independent private education system, talking to each other while I was talking, mm. sort of one guy was asleep, people looking at their watches, people like so many pockets of rudeness that I couldn't, I, I just felt like I could be talking about milk and cows and you should all be sitting there just going, this is interesting just because we're respectful human beings yes. and like, this is yes. what people do. And it, I just came off the stage and I was, you know, I was really happy with what I spoke about and I got lots of praise from people who had been listening and stuff. But I did think, why am I putting myself into these spaces? Like, what am I seeking in these spaces? Because I don't know... There's still something about my work where I feel like I'm trying to convince an audience of people who are not really my biggest fans. And when I'm doing it, the feedback loop isn't one that I don't naturally come away feeling buoyant. I actually feel like I've had to work really hard to get the attention from the people there. And then I feel like and then I have to sort of just reconcile the people who are talking or eating their lunch or doing all of those things at the same time. So, yeah, I don't know what kind of what I want coaching on exactly about it, but there's something about the positioning or like why I'm positioning myself in those spaces that I would like to explore over time because I love speaking and I love events. It's not that I don't want to do them, 
but I'm not sure that I'm in the right places, if that makes sense. So I just want to name what an important conversation this is to witness Angie's experience as a black woman. You know, I think as a white woman, it can be so easy to know these things happen and to be doing our work and know that this, you know, occurs. And I think it's another thing to just hear and bear witness to it in the way that she's sharing it with us here. So I think we all just need to kind of take a moment to really take this in. I think that it is so easy to kind of be like, oh, that's just the man doing what the man does and normalize these things. And I think we can really, really see the impact of that here and what a tremendous toll it can take to sit in that audience and normalize that. And so this is really just a call to say, can we pay attention to this? And can we make sure that if we see something like this happening, we're willing to speak to it? I don't know if this feels true or not, but I'll just share with you what came up for me when you were talking. But I feel like it's almost similar to the vibe that we were talking about last week of like, you would be so lucky to hire me. But I almost feel yeah. like at some of these events, I could see you having more strict boundaries and guidelines. Like I will not be your last speaker. I will only speak if I am guaranteed a dedicated window. I will only like some yeah. really specific things where it doesn't feel like you're like they're bringing up the end and kind of like yeah. when everyone's like tired and checked out and you're getting cut mm -hmm. and like all of those things. So I, it's not to say that those have to be the right rooms. I think that's a definitely a conversation too, but I think it is to say like, you're coming in with like almost specific demands mm. versus kind of being like, just here to help. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, this is how it's going to be or it's not going to be kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I really like that. Mm. Because I guarantee you every white man in the suit would do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I still am like, what is going on here? In fact, he won't even do that. He'll just also, if he's given 20 minutes, he'll just speak for 40. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won't even make the demand at the beginning. I'll just take it. <laughs> He'll just do it. He'll just take it, take yep. the space, take the time. And yeah, I really think, I think you're right. I need to, I need to embody a bit more of that. You'd be lucky to have me energy. Because it's not that I don't ever feel abused by it now or like, oh, I've really kind of been, it's like I'm compensated for it and all of those things. Right. It's just something about the energy of it that just feels really off with where I am in my head. Yes. And the way that I work. And when I'm working with people who I love working with, the energy is just so, it's so beneficial for everybody concerned. It's starting to feel like, I, I don't really know what, what function I'm playing here because it's <laughs> well and it's almost like you're kind of like in some ways demanding not to just play the function of like look we checked the DEI box or yeah. whatever you're like I'm going to be yeah. like a featured you know participant and it's going to have like center stage and it's going to be important for you in X, Y, Z ways or it's I'm not there to like make it look like something it's not yeah because I think that makes a lot of sense where it's not like there's not even a conversation to be had in those rooms it's just is it happening in a way that actually feels respectful and, yeah. you know, impactful? And again, I'm sure yeah. you impacted the people, like you said, that were listening. But I think like this, like different layer of demand for what that would look like makes a ton of yeah. sense. Yeah. And it's funny because when I was teaching, I would have just said to a group of people, <laughs> if you're not, you don't want to be here. 
there's the door. <laughs> yes. And I feel like I need to maybe embody a bit more of that energy because it's a something strange. There's some strange kind of feedback loop of people who love to be in the room to ignore you. <laughs> I do wonder. I mean, in all sincerity, like what if that was even a promise you made to yourself? And like I haven't yeah. been to these events, so feel free to like tell me if you feel otherwise. But like the promise you made to yourself is like if someone is doing that, being willing to say like, hey, and this is a great example of what I want to talk to you about is there as a black woman on stage speaking to you about this topic. And I can see how no one is choosing to listen right now. Yeah. I mean, it was so obvious this weekend because I listened to so many dusty, dry white men talking absolute dusty dryness. And people (laughs) were like, that is fascinating. (laughs) Tell me more, Michael, David, John, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then, and it was not even that I was like saying anything massively exciting, but I just think that the interesting way that people feel that they can talk through what I'm talking about and, and be like, has anyone got any questions for Mr. Data? Yes, I've got a thousand questions. It was such an interesting presentation. I really think disrupting that would yes. be very mm-hmm. helpful for me. <laughs> and not, not through just for the sake of being disruptive, but I think for me as the person Personally, leaving that situation yes. to know that I've said, those things yeah and because this is what always happens is that I end up bringing it to coaching but it's not addressed in the space with the people who yeah take that home themselves well it's so interesting because it feels like there is a bit of a theme right where of like returning to your power and it's like mm. what does it look like from that stage in that moment to return to mm. your power it's not being like all right talk amongst yourselves it's like <laughs> hi yeah we're gonna do this differently right yeah oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it feels so terrifying and so good at the same time (laughs) i'm just seeing myself being struck off whatever list there is of rowdy you know how dare she speak a list it's so funny because your question was like, do I belong in these rooms? And I think what's so interesting is, and not belong as in like, do you belong? But I mean, mm-hmm. as in like, is it good for you? And I think like, what could be interesting is like, let me find out. Like, I will go, I will do that. And if I am invited back, this is a space I'm happy to be in. If I do yeah. that and I am not invited back, I know what I need yeah. to know. Yeah. And I will not put myself in a situation where I cannot be an advocate for myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay, good. So annoying though. Let's just name that. So annoying. Oh god. Uh, it's just the dustiness of all these people speaking and you're like, come on. Just looking at me in my pink jacket is more exciting than anything they've said. <laughs> and you're talking. <laughs> so annoying. God's and sake. the you know, I think that the idea even of like topically why would this be the last topic yeah right Mm. yeah it was a kind of it was the second day after lunch and it was one of many I I wasn't last last actually but it was just it was just like why would that get cut and how can nobody in this room feel the embarrassment or the awkwardness I had to keep saying oh imagine that a white man speaking for so long that you had to cut a black woman (laughs) And they were like, <laughs> but they didn't really 
you didn't really know what to say. <laughs> and I was like, it's because it's so built into you that yes. you think that, you know, stopping him. And he was doing all of the kind of, he kept saying, oh, there's a woman in the back giving me the evil eye. I think she wants me to stop. And doing this whole layer of patriarchal kind of little ladies piped down. I'm just going to get to the end of my slides. And I just think about all the women that I coach who wouldn't even get on a stage. Yeah. And then you have some man who just will get, not only will he get on the stage, but he will damn well get to the end of his slides by hook or by crook. Uh And he's not interested in what anything and anything anyone has to say. It is annoying. And it, but it kind of makes me feel like, and this is why I continue to do this work because. Yeah. Because no. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. And and I think that that might be like you feeling like you are like making the difference in that moment that you want to is by like being willing to do his version of that. And I don't mean in the like gross white man way, but I mean in the way of like, so if I speak at your conference, here's what's required. If someone is not respectful, here's what, you know, I do. Like, yeah. Because yeah. he's just like, well, if I don't get the time I want, I'll just take it. Yeah. And it's like so fucking frustrating. You have to do that. But it's also like so beautiful, I think, to be the black woman that's like, here's what I'm carving out for other women that come behind me is this level of respect, this level of like boundaries around what I need to make this feel okay. Mm. Yeah. And I think it also ties in so much to what we were talking about for most of the session, which is asking for what I need yes versus doing what the room requires which yes. is just if I show up and talk and don't really make any complaint then they can go we did DEI Andrew Brown came she was you know she did her thing but asking for what I need in that situation yes which might be for you to just leave and stop talking in front of me because then I can talk to the people in the room who are really interested. Because it makes me nervous to talk to a room of people where some people are having their own conversation. Oh my God, it's horrible. <laughs> I <don't like> it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need otherwise. So I think it ties back into the same thing. Yes. Which is dare I ask what I, what I really need. Hmm. So let's, let's have that be even just like a quick exercise you do, but like, what are your demands for speaking? You know, is it like where you're situated? Is it the amount of time? Whatever that is, like, let's make that clear so that next time this comes up, you don't have to like rethink it or re-decide. It's almost like you were saying, like, I've already made the decision, right? I've already made the decision that these are the things that have to be present and at play. And if they are, I'm a yes. And if they're not, I don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Great. I love it. So good. Ah. Time for Ted Lasso. (laughs) Back to Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you rest. You keep me posted. Thank you. You hire a freaking OBM. (laughs) (laughs) This time next week, baby. All right, I will talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye, my dear. Bye. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. 
And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business but are short on time, then you're going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions. Just go to a forward slash back pocket to dive in.